Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. For us as an educational system and for us as a democracy to thrive, we have to push people towards their full potential. Welcome to Education on the Rocks. I'm your host, John Bullock, and I'm joined today, as always, by my friend and co-host, George Hegarty. George, how are you doing today? I am amazing. Things are good down here. Kind of, uh, well, amazing might be overstating it. I I just (laughs) kind of reflected upon that. I want to be honest for the audience. Things are going. (laughs) They're going, as the kids say. How about you? uh, It is not amazing up here. We've had uh, like a mid-April snowstorm that really put like a weird uh, damper on everyone. You know, like uh, we had just come out of winter and now we've got snow on the ground. And so uh, people felt a little bit weird about it. Uh, And it was a legitimate amount of snow, right? Yeah, it was not just a dusting. I mean, and it was multiple different storms. Uh, So it was it it was weird, you know, a storm like that in uh, January and everybody's outside all excited. And this one people, I think people were legitimately angry about it. I have to drive to the store to buy more whiskey? Yeah, exactly. So, and it's mid-April, and so in school terms, that means uh, we are right in the, the midst of that long stretch between spring break and Memorial Day. And uh, so the, the challenge is to keep, uh, keep everyone, uh, students, faculty, everybody, kind of focused on uh, getting to the end. Yeah, get through the doldrums, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's wild when you look at a school calendar in the first semester or, you know, first quarter, depending on where you are. Like, there's break after break after break and a day off here for a holiday and all that. You, you get past spring break and uh, it's, it's like the dog days of summer at that point. Yes, it is. I remember being in those high school classes and especially with, with uh, um, teaching courses that don't have kind of like any kind of capstone event where like the students have to take an exam or something. It is just on a day-to-day basis. All right, just stick with me. Stick with me. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> if I need to pump this. in some more oxygen into the room, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you joining us uh, hey, in, in mid-April. Uh, this is the Do We Really Need a Gate edition. And uh, we, come to, we come together uh, a couple times a month and talk about education issues uh, and drink some whiskey. So, George, what are you drinking today? So, you know what? Uh, because I'm doing a lot of research on um, 18th century oceanic um, travel and how that in the construction of the Pacific, I'm, I'm away from whiskey today and I'm into the rum. So I'm doing a little bit of method researching tonight and I'm drinking. Uh, it's a really good sipping rum. Uh, it's a Venezuelan rum called Diplomatico, and it's uh, a reserved, exclusive reserve, and it's really, really smooth, and, um, you know, anything that's sugar-based, you know, it's made out of sugar cane, so it's really, really sweet and nice, and kind of dangerous, dangerously, dangerously sweet and nice at 80 proof. 
And, How about you? What do you got going? And you've got reading to still do afterwards. So I'm sure that'll, yeah, of course. that'll make it go by. How yeah. else can I read 18th century um, ocean ledgers without, without rum? True story. How many other people on the planet right now are reading 18th century uh, oceanic ledgers? Um, well, to make myself seem important, I would say lots and I just do it better, <laughs> but I'm thinking I might be the only one tonight. Yeah. I'm guessing that you're, you're, you may be the only one of our listeners. That <laughs> I might've found it. my niche. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, maybe. There's gotta be a pod there. I'm sure. Yeah, it would be. It actually, there are some interesting stories, but I'll save those for some later uh, after the ice melts because uh, our audience, we don't want them to go to sleep before we talk about the gates. That's right. That's right. After the ice melts or maybe education on the rocks after dark. Dude, that would be huge. <laughs> well, hey, I'm drinking uh, just some uh, Basil Hayden straight. It's just a uh, classic Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, nice on the palate and uh, just a little something to get me through the evening. You have it on the rocks tonight, or are you neating it? I'm neating it. Nice. Yeah, I'm just neating it. I mean, I, it's you know, it's it's been a you know, it's been a day. So we're gonna we're gonna knead it up. See how many of these we get through as we talk about uh, uh, whether or not we really need a gate uh, for folks. Terrific. Well, that sounds good. Cheers. Cheers. So we appreciate you tuning in. You can get us uh, every so often on educationontherocks.com. You can also find us on all the social media. Uh, be sure to download, download us each and every week on your favorite podcast app. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, I'm at Speaks and George? George underscore Hegarty. And we'd love to hear what you think about today's uh, edition or, or any episode, really, and we'd love to interact with you and, and uh, hear about your favorite whiskey and maybe your education story. So uh, find us on uh, the internet, Education on the Rocks, or find us on social media, Right now, we want you to take a pause and take a sip, and we'll be right back with the Do We Really Need a Gate edition of Education on the Rocks. On August 6, 1991, the first website was created on the World Wide Web. Now in 2022, there are billions of websites online. And did you know that 55% of small businesses don't even have a website? Well, at Mooney Marketing, they lift your business to the next level by designing your business an affordable, mobile-friendly website with professional business photography, video production, SEO, design concepts, and color schemes. As we venture into the next stage of the pandemic, customers and consumers are still searching online for products and companies. In fact, now more than ever. So this Redmond-based marketing firm also offers logo design, advertising, branding, storytelling, and social media marketing services. For more information on Mooney Marketing, check out their website at mooney-marketing.com or give them a call at 541-280-7412. That's Mooney Marketing. And if you want to see their great work, check us out at educationontherocks.com. We rely on Mooney Marketing for their social marketing, social media marketing services. Oh, shoot, I messed that up. Hopefully they can cut this in. For more information on Mooney Marketing, check out their website at mooney-marketing.com or give them a call at 541-280-7412. And if you want to see an example of their great work, check us out at educationontherocks.com. This marketing firm has taken care of all of our website needs, and you can learn more at mooney-marketing.com. Welcome back to Education on the Rocks, the Do We Really Need a Gate edition. If, like George and I, you are a product of the American public school system, at one point or another, you've probably heard the term gate or tag. While these programs are administered in different ways in different places, they all have one thing in common. 
They're tasked with identifying and serving students in our system who are deemed gifted and talented. Today, we're going to talk about these programs and try to understand how they fit into the fabric of our education system as we ask, do we really need a gate that lets some in and keeps some out of our educational programs? So George, let's start, explain to people what exactly is gate or tag? So depending, I mean, essentially what it is, it's it, through some means, um, school districts uh, across the country identify students sometimes as young as pre-kindergarten uh, as being gifted and talented. And then they are through some funding device that you might know more about than I, than I do, that they're kind of offered a um, different educational experience than other students within, within the school. And that can be anything from kind of a pullout where they work a couple hours a week um, with a separate teacher um, with just exclusively uh, tag or gate students or uh, it can be a class, for instance, like a fifth grade classroom that is the gifted and talented class. And every student in that pod um, will get will get a kind of a different curriculum by by a special teacher or a teacher who's, you know, been trained to teach that class. That's you know, that's my understanding. Uh, having been a product of the of the system, uh, I'm, I, that's kind of my limited, uh, limited scope of knowledge. No, I think that's a good description of it. And for those wondering, gate means gifted and talented education. Tag means talented and gifted. Depending upon the state and district you're in, it may be called one or the other or something different. But the concept's still the same. It's the identification of students who are deemed as talented and gifted in one manner or another, and then they're provided special education services. And so the question that we ask today is, you know, what, why do we have that and, and do we need it? Uh, in preparation for this, we, we were reading an article about um, New York City expanding its, its gifted and talented program, but scrapping the test. So let's start there. What, what are some of the issues that people call out in uh, gifted and talented programs? What are, what are some of the, the, the struggles with it, do you think? Yeah, I think the, the, three, the three big ones are first, access. Um, and, you know, not every school has, in, in, in the New York City model, not every school has a space um, for students who have been deemed uh, gifted and talented. Um, the second, kind of the second component and, and the one that kind of interests me the most and, and I think is something to talk about is just like equitable access about does everybody, uh, do all students have the same access um, to these programs. And then, then the third issue is when we think about, and we've talked about a number of times about a school system that is in desperate need of funding, is that is the question that I have kind of, is this the best, this, the best way to allocate funds um, for students who already seem on track for um, academic success? Yeah, what struck me as I was thinking about this issue is that how seemingly provincial the concept is of identifying some students in some places using localized measures so those students get an education that other students can't receive or don't have access to. And it, it makes me wonder why, how much of this is rooted in the concept that every student should get the same thing versus every student should get what they need. Right. I mean, this equality versus equity struggle to me, this is uh, this is symbolic of it in, a, in some interesting ways. Right. Like, why don't we have an education system 
where every student, regardless of their uh, achievement level, their zip code, the color of their skin, uh, why doesn't every student get whatever it is they need in order to be successful? Why do we have to progress through the system the way we do? And it's probably way too, uh, it's probably way too out there of a thought as I, as I try to figure out how would you even process that. But when you look at the information that was provided in this article, the, the misappropriate or disproportionate number of students who are impacted um, seems like this doesn't be, seem like the right way, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, it really seems like almost the questions we're not asking is why don't we abandon that? And I think that that might get to some of the heart of some of these issues is that kind of the parents who wield a lot of power in these decision-making processes, um, I think that they are very invested in keeping these these programs alive and keeping them exclusive because, you know, at some level there's a belief that there's a sort of cachet where I even, I even look at the language, whether it's gate or tag, that designating some students gifted and talented while it just, it's based on the assumption that other students are not. And my belief about how we're educating students and, and who, who comes into our classrooms is that all of our students have gifts and talents and that some are more easily measured, I suppose, um, you know, as some sort of academic measure. But the reality is, is that all of our students deserve the best possible education that we can afford them. And you're right, that is kind of a personalized education. Um, yeah, what were you struck by when you looked at the numbers from the New York City story? Well, that they don't make any sense, right? I mean, that, um, you know, this one where they identified 1,900 kindergarten students and 93rd graders. Like, out of a million. Out of a million. Like, what is yeah. That, that just blew me away. I mean, yeah, the percentages, you know, where it relates to, you know, uh, the fact that um, I think it was like 70% of the city school system uh, students are identified as black and Latino. Um, but three quarters of the students in gifted classes were white or Asian. Uh, I just was like, yeah, that type of inequity should scream out to people that, that this has to be looked at. But that didn't surprise me, unfortunately, because I've been in education for so long. Like those types of numbers, they cause me pause, but they don't shock me any longer right? because of the system. But it was shocking to read that out of a million students, 1,900 kindergartners were identified and 93rd graders. And I'm thinking to myself, how do we even identify a kindergarten student? Right. And that's without a test, you know? And so it is totally subjective, um, at least by any measure. And, and, I, and I, I do think that one of the things that people listening might not think about the way that we do, because we've seen, you and I have worked, you've worked kind of throughout the educational system, but I've been mostly at the high school level, is that those decisions that get made in kindergarten have ramifications throughout a student's educational life. Long-term ramifications. Like, like you said, through their, like it is, you know, there are studies that show there were states that were building, you know, considering building prisons based upon third grade reading levels, right? And some of those determinations happen as kindergarten students. I, one of the things that struck me about that is that, you know, as you know, I was an elementary school principal for a period of time. Right. And kindergarten students would come to us 
some could read chapter books and some didn't know the difference between a letter and a number, right? And the main difference between those students was family income and access to texts, right? It wasn't, it wasn't that one student was necessarily gifted, another one wasn't. It was about access. It was about resources. And if that's the way we're going to identify students and determine what path they go on, then education is only serving to further the economic and social gaps that exist in the country. Yeah, I agree. It's an, and, and by kind of scrapping the test, like New York City says it's doing, that that just shifts the test. And we've talked about that around other, you know, around other areas in this is that there's always going to be some measure. And so if you have a parent, you know, there's not a test, but there's a parent who's volunteering in the classroom and is taking an activist stance for their students inclusion in a gifted and talented that puts pressure on a teacher to kind of recommend that student um, that is inequitable because that parent um just based on my assumption, which could be which could be problematic, but I think is generally true, that that parent has the time to be able to dedicate to coming into a classroom for X number of hours a week. Um, that many many families don't have that, and I think we see that playing out in those numbers you were kind of citing in New York City. And and to be clear, I don't think this is wholly an education problem. We've talked before in the pod about youth sports, for example, right, where there are uh, specific skills needed to perform certain tasks on a team or in a game, depending on the sport, right? And we know in youth sports, there are, there are children that get to play on certain teams because uh, their parents' role in the club or the organization or the parents' role in the team or um, the access they have to participate in it. So, and I just point that out because, uh, you know, we're crashing pretty hard on, a, on the education system right here, and, and rightly so, but it's not unique to education. This problem of access and equity for our children extends well beyond the classroom. Yeah, it is. It's a subtext of our entire kind of societal discussion and the, the discourse around <clears throat> almost everything is that some people have the ins and others have the outs. I think it's worth spending a moment that kind of explaining, I'll explain my perspective is that I've been an advocate throughout and you and I have worked together on a number of these projects about expanding at the high school level, advanced placement course options for students. Uh, but we've always we've always done it under the guise, or not the guise, but under the auspices that any student who wants in has access. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think that that philosophy of building around students' passions um, inspires them to do better. But I think that when students know or realize, and, and I'm particularly when I start to think about this deeply, is that the students who are the bubble students who like might have had siblings who test into these programs, but then um, the, but then they don't get in. That's the, those are the students that I, I really am worried about because they think because of their that they're less than just based on you know their siblings' um, experiences when and they might not take um, opportunities or make the choices to kind of challenge themselves because they feel that they're not enough and that's where I think that these problems I don't know if the gains are societal gains for having X number of students involved in tag and um, gate programs. 
I don't, I don't know if those gains are offset by the losses. And I think that one of the, one of the issues with this in terms of a call out to our educators that listen to the pod and their, their colleagues is the need for us to go out and find and identify students who might not fit the traditional talented and gifted archetype that has been built into that system, right? Go find students who have skills and abilities who maybe they haven't been fostered or maybe they haven't been told that they do or maybe they've been told they haven't, right? And right. when you look at uh, part of that, that article talked about how um, that in Manhattan's district number two, which they identify as one of the widest and wealthiest districts in the city, had nearly twice as many gifted programs as there was in all of the Bronx, which is, you know, the, the city's poorest borough. That, that it is inconceivable that there are not students in the Bronx who are gifted and talented. It's that they have been told they're not or they haven't been identified. And that's where educators can really play a role in this is going out and identifying students and finding students if these programs are going to exist, right? My argument would be, do, do they need to exist or do we need to rethink the whole, the whole mess? Yeah, and I think that, I think the, the first answer is they, don't, they certainly don't need to exist. Do I think that they are going, going to go away within our lifetime? I absolutely don't think of that, that that's going to be the case. But I do, but I do think that there has to be a space within each, if, if a district, for instance, regardless of whether it's a, a tiny district or the New York City schools, that if a district has a TAG or GATE program, that I feel that every school has to have a space for students within that program, that it's not a question of like, oh, you could go, but we have to bus you to another borough if you're in New York City, that that, that affects, that's not only kind of an issue of access, it's also a cultural issue that um, where, where s- certain families are not going to, regardless of the potential opportunities involved, are not going to be comfortable with having their students, you know, on a bus for two hours every, every morning and then two hours every afternoon to kind of experience a different type of school. And so I look at it and, you know, I would, I'd be interested because I haven't seen it and I didn't dig deep enough into the research about like, what are the outcomes for the students who, who are designated gifted and talented? Like, is there a better outcome for, for those students uh, and is that really affected by the fact that they're in these programs would be the, would be the question. And I'm not sure people are asking those questions because it's kind of like, this is a monolith, it's going to exist. And so we just need to make it as quote unquote fair as possible. I think that's right. I mean, I, I, do, I think that its existence uh, is maybe one of those major cogs in a wheel that we're not going to change uh, or not going to eliminate, excuse me, but maybe if we start asking the right questions like that one you asked, like what, what is, what are the outcomes? What, and, and how are those outcomes versus other, other outcomes, right? How are they, you know, how, what, where are the studies that tell us that this is an effective uh, tool for not just the individuals, but also for the city or the district or the state or the country. Um, it's fascinating. You know, one of the, uh, one of the things I've been able to do in my career is, is travel to China for educational uh, tours uh, and conferences. And I remember one, one of the images that just strikes me 
so deeply about this is the cultural difference in the value of education. And when I went to China, I got to tour um, this uh, provincial school. So it was the, the top school in the province. And we went into this dorm and there were six pairs of tiny slippers in this dorm room. And we we're like, what age kids are here? Six, six years old. Ooh. Families would send their child from all over the province, right? Hundreds of miles away to live in a dorm at six years old so that they could access the best education possible. And I'm not suggesting that's the right way to do it, right? I'm not, I'm not, right. I'm not advocating we send our six-year-olds, we gather them all up and send them yeah. to someplace. But I think that's the Hunger Games. But. Right? But it's, it's, it's weird, right? So we're talking about a program, Tag and Gate, and the, the inequality in it and the inequities that exist. And we know in countries with whom our students are competing, because it's a global marketplace now, they're getting sent off to live in dorms at six. So what, you know, how do we, how do we compete? How do we, how do we rationalize that? And to me, it's about giving every single one of our students exactly what it is they need. But we are so consumed by the structure of school that we can't do that effectively, which is why we create programs like this that pull out kids, right? Rather than say, hey, you're a, you're a middle schooler and you're really into math. Well, let's give you all the math you can possibly handle for as much of the day as you want to hand, have, have it, rather than say, well, you get math for 50 minutes today and you can't do algebra yet because then you won't have anything to do next year. Right. And, that, and I think that, that we are kind of hamstrung by a structure that, you know, leaves when you start to think about it is that we have special services, clearly, as we're talking about today, for our talented, gifted students. And then we, you know, ostensibly have services available for our students who are struggling. But we're leaving behind when you just look at the when you just think about the numbers, the New York City numbers, we're leaving behind like a vast majority of of our student population where it's just like everything they're getting is fine. And and the idea that not every student needs personalized support to kind of realize realize their potential is absurd. And we know that teachers every day are doing that in their classrooms. But the fact that they're not necessarily uh, systematically supported in doing that work is to me what's the most troubling. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And I think that's a good spot to ask our audience to weigh in. What, what are your thoughts? Were you, in a, were you in a TAG program? Were you in a GATE program? Or are your children? Does your district have one? How does it work? And what do you think of it? We'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Speaks. George, they can find you. George underscore Hegarty. And we've enjoyed the conversation today. It, it went a direction I didn't think it was going to go, but I, I'm glad we ended up there, George. Yeah, I think it was good. I think it's... I think it's good to dive into these things that we sometimes take for granted within our system and ask the hard questions, because it's not necessarily saying that, you know, these things are broken within our system, but to really push back on them a little bit and think critically about them is important. 
Yeah, and we're not trying to solve this in 25 minutes, but we're trying to ask the questions and maybe get people thinking about it, and maybe we can we can find a solution. So I was waiting. I thought that was your after the ice melts. You're just going to do a voila. Here's the answer. Yeah, here's the big reveal. Uh, no, but we, you know, I think it's you know, there's a lot of other questions asked, but clearly today what we've we've learned about is that these programs do exist. They will exist, and right now in many places they are inequitable, and as a result, we miss students who. And many students who deserve to have an education that is personalized, that meets their needs, that allows them to reach their full potential. Because for us as an educational system and for us as a democracy to thrive, we have to push people towards their full potential. So right now, I'd encourage you to take a pause, take a sip. We'll be right back with a segment we like to call After the Ice Melts. Welcome back to Education on the Rocks for a segment we like to call After the Ice Melts. Well, we've had some whiskey and we've talked about the educational issues today, and now it's time to decide what's next. So, George, what are you going to do after the ice melts? So I've got a short term and a long term. Immediately, um, John's partner has turned me on via Instagram to Severance, the show on Apple Plus TV, and it has blown my mind. Um, I'll give I'll give a tease without any spoilers that uh, it essentially is just it's about work life balance and it's the most interesting and creative way I've seen it dealt with and if anyone wants to know what my kind of daily weekly monthly maybe the next decade existence looks like in episode one there's an unmeal that happens and that for me is what grad school is and so uh i'd love it if you would check that out and then uh bump into my twitter i'm on academic twitter now so you know it gets pretty gets pretty dicey in there so i'd love to hear what people think and then the other thing which i'm really excited about is on saturday is davis california where i am has a picnic day and it's been happening forever. I've never experienced it because of COVID. And then when my spouse was here in law school, uh, she never went. And so this picnic day, basically, I guess the city just shuts down. Yes, Davis picnic day. I've, I've been there. I figured you might have. Yeah. So we're doing that Saturday. And it should be, I imagine with all the emails I got about like, urinating in public ordinances and other things. It seems like it could get fun. That's awesome. You're going to be at Davis Picnic Day. I haven't heard about that in, gosh, 25 years. You should drive down. Easy. Yeah, easy, easy drive. Seven hours, door to door. Perfect. I, I can see it happening. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. What do you have that, going on? Well, uh, that show Severance, we have binged it all here. We've, we've seen the whole season, and it is phenomenal TV, I think. So I'm excited you're watching it, and I hope other people who are listening have watched it or will watch it, and we can tweet about it because it it blows my mind. So yeah, good, sweet, sweet. I can't wait. I mean, I was ta- we were talking before we started recording. I might do three episodes tonight, and that would be a record for me of anything. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, after the ice melts, I've got a choice. Um, uh, as you know, uh, fantasy baseball season has begun in earnest, and I am in defense of my championship belt. So I've either got to uh, sit down and make my free agent pickups for the week, or I've got to finish my taxes. So, um, 
It's it's going to be a coin toss, and uh, we'll see. What they don't we, give you a belt for doing your taxes. I know that's my <laughs> point, but I can get an extension. So uh, we we will see what happens. I'm guessing that fantasy baseball wins out, but uh, I I don't know. It, I don't know if anybody's ever gotten. Ex- I mean, I'm, I know people have received extensions for that, but I don't know if any listening has has done an extension for your taxes. But you get until October to finish them, and the last time I did an extension, you know, when I finished mine. October, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like procrastinating in school, right? It's like, yeah, we'll give you an extra week. Great. I'll finish it next Friday. You know, I know I I had, I had to do Oregon, California and federal this year. Oh yeah. If you would have seen my handful of envelopes that I sent off, (laughs) I wasn't happy. Yeah. So it's fun selling a house. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You, that's some work, man. So yeah, we'll see. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the coin, let the fates decide, and then uh, you know we'll see what happens. Sweet. Oh. I mean, I would say I think you got to work on that rotisserie. You got to work on your fantasy league. I know. I love that you call it rotisserie because when I started playing the '80s, it was rotisserie. Uh, I, I, yeah, I I realized as soon as I said that 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 aged me. <laughs> oh, dude! When I started playing, I had a I had a full blown. Uh, I was in. Uh, middle school and had a full-blown uh rotisserie league running out of uh with with teachers and staff and students in the middle school the hustle yeah i had a couple side hustles i'm sweet i might have won a football pool or a couple i may or may not play fantasy surfing so you know (laughs) oh we've revealed too much my friend hey folks if this if this is the kind of banter you like then uh log on to your favorite podcast app download us leave us a five-star review share us with your friends and family we still want to make it big so we're counting on somebody sharing our podcast with somebody who can make us big and when i'm talking big i'm talking at least at least a bottle of whiskey uh, a month uh and maybe you know Maybe a quarter so I can call somebody. So uh, <laughs> you, you can find me on That Twitter. really aged you. Yeah, I know. I was going to say a nickel, but that would have blown people's minds. Uh, hey, you can find me on Twitter at Jay Bullock Speaks. George? Join me at George underscore Hegarty. All right. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll be back soon uh, with another episode of Education on the Rocks. Thank you for listening to Education on the Rocks. You can connect with us on Twitter George is at George underscore Hegarty, and I am at Jay Bullock Speaks. If you enjoyed our podcast, please tell your friends, and please give us a rating on iTunes and leave a comment. Until then, look for us next week as we continue to discuss education on the rocks.